Hello friends, News Hub Nation Digital Editor Finn Hogan here to bring you a special bonus podcast exclusive interview with Auckland University Associate Professor Jennifer Lees Marshman. This interview was recorded a while ago and was originally planned as part of our supplementary question mini-series, which is available on this RSS feed. But unfortunately, National's time of troubles came about after our interview, and the news cycle sort of forced all projects onto the back burner for a little while. I'm posting an edited version of our conversation here because it was a fascinating discussion and it would be a shame to let it go to waste. As I mentioned, there'll be moments of Todd Muller being referred to as leader and other such utterances which will date the chat a little, but most of our conversation focuses on broader issues which are less time sensitive. Let's not waste any more time here and just get straight into it. So I'm an expert in political marketing originally, which is a study of how parties use business techniques like market research, polling focus groups and branding in order to win power. Jennifer Lees Marshman is an associate professor at Auckland University, specialising in political marketing and political management. Two connected but distinct ideas. Her new book, The Dance of Government and Politics, is based on a simple theory that politics has become increasingly about how to sell your ideas, not how to actually get them implemented. Or put another way, there is too much political marketing and not enough political management. Politicians and ministers get into power and their staff um, go to work for them in, in the offices and the Beehive and the White House and Dining Street around the world. I mean, they're in charge of, you know, millions, actually billions mm. of, of dollars. And they don't actually have any training in how to manage government or, or parliament. No training. That might sound like a minor point, but it's worth stressing. By definition, the most important jobs a person can have in this country require zero qualifications and actually being good at them. So I remember talking to a chief of staff in overseas once she said that she realised that her staff had actually been watching West Wing in order to prepare for their job because there are no books on what political management is. I was just thinking about the plurality of Americans who made the decision to pull a lever that has your name next to it. Suckers. It's this really weird thing where it's this big area of practice that influences, you know, our daily lives, the government, and yet there's been no research or, or training into how they should actually manage politics. No other profession would have that. Right? You wouldn't, and you wouldn't allow that to happen. You wouldn't go and be operated on by somebody who, you know, who wasn't trained as a surgeon, mm. maybe was trained as a vet. You wouldn't allow that to happen, and mm. yet we allow our country to be run by people who don't have training and preparation. So Jennifer took it upon herself to do some of that preparation, and after interviewing many political insiders, both within New Zealand and internationally, she's come up with a framework for analysing how successfully a party is executing on its ideas. Her book's central thesis is that there are four general areas of political management you can break down the performance of a party by, what she calls the four Ds. Deliberation, big picture planning and goal setting. Design, working logistics of how to achieve those goals. Discharging, actually getting the policy implemented, or not, as in the case of KiwiBuild. And finally, the dance. It's the hardest to define, but arguably the most important. It's that ephemeral part of politics, which is how well a particular politician navigates public perception. If all of these sound like general wisdom, remember, no one in politics is automatically getting trained how to do any of this. Most people are, by their own admission, learning on the job or watching West Wing. So, based on Marshman's research, how well does the government stack up against these four Ds, starting with deliberating? So in yeah. big picture terms, what is deliberating? It's about reviewing what the situation is and reflecting and creating a whole overall vision for where you want to take the country. And it's interesting when you look at this with Ardern, because actually she hasn't been very effective at this. In some ways, because she hasn't had the chance. She became leader, 
you know, eight weeks before the last election, 2017. So she had to stick with the existing policies and framework Labour had come up with. And then she, you know, won the election unexpectedly after the, you know, Winston Peters and New Zealand First decision. And then, boom, she's into governing. And there have been a whole series of crises. So I think, unlike John Key, who made his vision quite clear... Um, and talked about making New Zealand ambitious. We haven't really heard that from our done. It's interesting because intuitively I feel like, well, she has articulated a vision, but even as I'm saying the words, of course, she has articulated a the most general vision possible, which is let's do this, not even specifying what this is. So, yes, I, I, it's that Obama-esque sort of message of I am promising you the idea of transformational change. We'll get to what the change is later. Exactly. And we are three years down the line now. And we it, don't really know. I mean, we know, you know, it's supposed to be better housing but then there are problems mm. with that we know child poverty but that's very hard to deal with yes. better life for all but that that's questionable and that leads me to kind of the next bit which might we might talk about next which is discharging and this is the bit where she's been weak mm. um because i mean look don't get me wrong they have a, achieved delivered a number of policies particularly the 100 days their first 100 day plan but it's been hard for them to implement major change so a lot of policies like the zero carbon act have been watered down. Capital gains tax has been abandoned. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Kiwi Build hasn't really happened, or they hasn't actually built much, yes. so they haven't really done that much. They, uh-huh, let's uh-huh. do this, didn't really work. So in that respect, discharging has been less effective because she's been in a coalition government. Now, she's been very good at crisis management, of course, so in terms of her as a leader, she's been very competent in terms of managing crisis. Why do you think that is, is it because it it crystallises all the issues into one and you're not really having to do that much of a plan. It's you're responding immediately to something. So this leads to the next point, yeah. which what she's very good at is adapting and reacting. So she, in political management terms, then she's very good at the dancing part of political management. She's a great dancer. Generally, she's managed the coalition well and it was a very difficult coalition government to, to manage. A difficult coalition is right and seemingly growing more difficult by the day, with cracks widening between Greens and NZ first and an election looming, the knives are coming out. So how does Jennifer rate the success of the Greens? Well, they're they're doing better than we expected on discharge in that they have actually, through being in government, they've actually built a reputation for getting things done now with the zero carbon bill and, and, and other things. So if they can build on that and then propose doing more in future, then that that could be good. In terms of being dancing, being adaptive and artful, that's less in their ideology, right? They're very principled parties, so it's a bit harder. But they have they've cleverly talked about positioning themselves as being the green heart in a government and sort of saying, well, okay, we, we are go- we're not going to be so adaptive, but we're going to you know, pull the the, le- the more adaptive party, the adaptive Ardern dancer, if you like, you know, to to the left a bit to try and make it more transformational. And in terms of design and deliberating, they're actually doing pretty good so far in that they've, you know, proposed policies on nature-related jobs. So what they've tried to do is be a bit more pragmatic and say, yes, we want policies that really boost the environment, but we can do it in a way which helps the post-COVID economy as well. The two weaknesses that I pick up are the need to be distinctive from Labour. So they need to make sure they give voters a reason to vote Green in particular rather than just Labour. So that's going to be hard. For me, the Greens are a fascinating case study for a lot of different... for different lenses on politics because they are a party that has its own overt divisions that are quite well publicised. Oh, they're so egalitarian in the way that they run their caucus that everyone gets a voice that there's, yeah. there, there yeah. are the two arms to the party and I know they always push back whenever we say this to them but there is the Marama Davidson arm of the party and the James Shaw arm of the party. Yeah. There's the compromise Greens and there's the, the radical Greens. So there's yeah. the subset of the Greens trying to drag the Greens themselves more left while the more pragmatic Greens just want to drag the government more left and you can see that sort of tension 
playing out. And I guess yeah. it's yeah, it's the dance for them is tricky because they have to dance within their own party. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah it's kind of an internal dance really mm. between the sort of those that have the you know very clear vision mm. and those that actually want to get stuff done. So therefore, you know, would want to do a bit more dancing with the opposition, and that is really hard. And I do. When I think about, you know, the vision part of political management, I think about James Shaw and think, why hasn't he been articulated like a vision for green business? Because that's his background. Now, he may have been, but it hasn't come through yet. Well, the $100 million green investment fund, which they've spent very little of so far, because, it, again, it was one of those things of that's a good vision, but there's no practical detail that comes afterwards. That, you know, they're good. I think they're really good on deliberation. They're good at reviewing and reflecting and thinking mm-hmm. about ideas. And they're good at designing new policies and, and so on. And it's good that they've already started thinking about new things for 2020. You know, they were one of the first parties that actually I could see new policies coming out of mm-hmm. post-COVID. And the tripwire to the Greens advance is, of course, New Zealand first, now widely considered the handbrake on all progressive agendas in the government. So how does Jennifer rate their progress? Well, it's, I mean, you can understand that in some ways. I mean, their claim to fame in terms of getting things done, discharging, will be that they they made a difference and they actually got a lot of Labour green policies watered down or if not stopped. Mm. It's not a, it's kind of a negative angle, but that does suit the it's artful a, kind of Winston Peters, I think. You know, it's kind of his dance. In some ways, his, his dance is to stop the dance. He doesn't... He's, it's not a party of delivery, it's a party of stopping. And that's much more of a classic yeah. kind of conservative politics thing is we're not the we're not about here to change things we're here to stop change and we have hold yeah. on to the things that for us are the true New Zealand values we're going to stop people yeah. coming in and buying your land we're going to stop the we're going to stop you stopping your way of doing business and so yeah it is an almost it's an easy no, I'm saying this from a position of ignorance but it seems from the outside it's more of a an easier political dance to stop something to stop happening than, than make actually, it happen. actually yeah. make it happen. I mean, and I think that one of the potential challenges for them is having been in government, um, whilst you can tell your supporters, look, we stop these things happening, actually your supporters want to see you actually got some things done. Now, there's a provincial growth fund that they delivered, so that focus on the regions, I think they have achieved that. Tracy Martin as a minister is, you know, is very respected, mm. and so I think she gets a lot of credibility for her work. Um, but it's not necessarily going to be that easy going forward. And the key thing is going to be what what is their vision for 2020 onwards? And so it's like, well, what are, are people going to stick with them going forward or will they just go to Labour and Ardern? Um, and that is a real challenge for them. And so they've got to really very quickly get on to deliberating and designing some new policies for 2020 that perhaps talking about things that will help the underdog, you know, continue to fight for the underdog for something rather than just stopping. And of course, that brings us to the really big question this election. Will the result be a foregone conclusion? Even at the most conservative polling, Jacinda Ardern and Labour have enough to govern alone. So what can Muller do? They, of course, have a reputation for being good at discharging, at getting stuff done. But then, to a certain degree, that's been lost and undermined by the change of leadership. Now, whether Muller, as a leader, can get that back by saying he's a business leader, I don't know, because he's untested in political management. I've interviewed people over the last 20 years, you know, who go from business to politics, and they all say, gosh, it's so different. And you need to be aware of that going in. And if you think it's going to be the same, then you're going to get into trouble. This is a trope with right or fiscal conservatives that Mm -hmm. will run the country like a business. But just like you're saying, people who've come from business into politics, it's not business. You cannot treat a country as a balance sheet like you would if you were a CEO. There's just so much more complexity there. But it seems like national always holds that idea. It's business first. Yeah. We are the party of business. We are business people coming in to run the economy mm. like a business person would. It speaks of 
you know, a potential weakness with the right generally, but also with the National Party in New Zealand in particular, because I think after 2017, they didn't, you know, they didn't deliberate enough to use the terms on the model. They didn't review and reflect on the fact they lost. They didn't lose badly. It was just a decision by Winston Peters. But the reality is they still lost. The other reality is their policies were not the most popular. They weren't well aligned with the general public or their own supporters. And they just haven't ever accepted it. They should have said, look, we clearly didn't do enough to get over the line. Now, we think about Todd Muller now. His first speech was more reflective and it did talk about the need for a new direction. But then he didn't take the time out to do that deliberation. He went straight into the media interviews, all the studios. He clearly, you know, yes, let's get attention on national. But actually he should have waited a week and said, look, we need to get the team together, new team together, and we're going to refocus and come up with a new a new strategy. And then in terms of the dance, we haven't seen any signs of Muller dancing yet. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, they were pretty quick, to be fair, they were pretty quick to dance down to Queenstown and announce a, a tourism accelerator fund, mm. so that, which was responding, being adaptive to what is clearly going to be one of the key areas of crisis. But I think they're unadaptive in that they're still clinging to this old idea that, you know, nationals should have won and they're the party of business and they automatically should get back into power. And I think no party should ever take getting into power for granted. Mm. And particularly in this this very strange situation we find ourselves now that is still evolving economically. How do you see Nationals' performance, even under Simon Bridges and now under Muller, how much of a change that you see in there based on these sort of 4Ds? Yeah, there's lots of talk about National, the party of the business, and we're going to have the plan for recovery. But they don't say what that plan is. Is there a plan? First and foremost, I'm about what's best for you and your family, not what's wrong with the government. I'm not interested in opposition for opposition's sake. We're all tired of that kind of politics. It seems like a century ago in political time, but it was this moment during Muller's all-too-brief political honeymoon that seemed to really strike a chord with voters. Uh, So before we wrapped up, I wondered what Jennifer thought of the state of partisanship in New Zealand, particularly with the looming spectacle of the American general election. I love watching American politics. It's like WWE to me. Like, it's just that there's such pageantry to it. There's such clearly defined goodies and baddies. Whatever end of the political spectrum you're on, whether you're a Trump supporter or not. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? You just, the, the, the baddies are just so clearly defined for you and you know who to cheer for and you know when to boo. Don't obscure he a tragedy to make a cheap political if point. I'm the father. It is a cheap political no, point. No, it isn't. And you know this it. Is justice. This is justice. Do you think that we're becoming more partisan in New Zealand or do you think that that kind of hyper-partisanship still a while away for us? My instinct would be when it is a while away, but I still think we've got some of the trends here. So yeah. that negativity, the personalisation of yeah. politics that you talked about, you know, saying Ashley Bloomfield is... You know, he's been... He's Saint Ashley, yeah. Coffee cups exactly. and stuff. On the other hand, I mean, I remember seeing that Simon Bridges post that ended up mm. leading partly to his his cull. And some of the comments were quite thoughtful. I mean, they, they were his own supporters saying, look, this is not the right way to, to mm. do things. Mm. So there is a maturity there as well. It's just which kind of voice, the mature reflective voice or the instantly negative, either critical or glorification of a leader, will we see be more powerful in this election and which one will the leaders play to? They sometimes use what we call insights marketing where they will try and play on people's fears. Mm. So rather than offering them a, a product and policies and a design that responds to their dreams and what they want to see happen, they'll use it to play to their, their fears instead. And with the COVID situation where people have lost their jobs, they've lost their careers, lost their businesses and don't know what's going to happen in the future and there's all that uncertainty and fear anyway, we could see some playing manipulation of that. Yeah, I've definitely seen an increase in sort of quite biased um, comments and posts by um, political 
bipartisan politicians and by political followers that I hadn't seen before. Well, no matter what Facebook or Google say, hate does better online or negative posts, negative, negative. If you can make your audience angry, they'll engage with your post. Do you think social media has a part to play in this as well? Because social media lends itself to every aspect of marketing, but but not not management. management. Absolutely not. And, you know, you can't convey how to manage a country in a tweet, or it's not very easily. And this is where, you know, if you think overseas of President Donald Trump, this is where he's come a bit unstuck. It's taken a while, to be fair. (laughs) An astonishingly long time. But it's come unstuck because you can't govern like you can campaign. Mm -hmm. People always have often talked about the difference between campaigning and governing. I remember um, John Key, you know, Prime Minister, National Prime Minister of New Zealand, talking about how he'd never even read a cabinet paper. He didn't have the system worked, and he had to speak to somebody in his party who had been a minister. Crisis management with Christchurch, he had realised that he would have to be involved in crisis management. He thought he knew about the economy and things like that, but to be fair, like Ardern, he was very adaptive and he learned Mm. very quickly. But it's just interesting how much they don't know before they, they go in. There's no one with all the answers. There's no textbook. There's no manual. A lot of this is getting invented as it goes along. And it seems like it just shouldn't be that way. And so I guess my question to you would be, do you think this is going to change? How quickly will it change? And thirdly, what would be something that you would implement tomorrow if you were a chief of staff, if you were behind the scenes? Is it going to change? Probably not. I mean, I'm talking to you know people in the government at the moment about um, offering some short courses and training for political advisors so they know what they need to think about going in and we can also do more research in the future and then try and put that into play but really ideally we should have these courses in place for after the September election but I don't know. In terms of chief of staff, what, I, what would be the key thing to advise? It would be the deliberating aspect. And partly it's because some people say, well, the plan doesn't, you know, plan doesn't survive a week. But on the other hand, they say you need to have a sense of where you want to go. You still need to have a sense of what the vision is, what the plan is, what are the goals? Because if you don't know where, to, where you want to go, then you, you can't figure out how to get there. Jennifer Lee's Marshmont is an associate professor at Auckland University. Her book is titled Political Management, The Dance of Government and Politics and is available from August 3rd.